So, yeah, we are uh, continuing on in the Proverbs uh, tonight. We've been in the Proverbs all summer and uh, been gleaning some highly practical wisdom um, that uh, really kings, since the day it, w- uh, it, w- it was written, um, have been reading it and, and taking the knowledge and applying it all the way up till uh, recent times. And so the Proverbs are just loaded with insight for us uh, on really a, an array of topics and since we've started this series, we've been just looking at some specific topics in the Proverbs. Um, some of these have included the fear of the Lord, uh, biblical manhood, biblical womanhood, uh, adultery, marriage, planning, and tonight we continue on looking at wealth. And so uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying the Proverbs. Hope you are too. Hope you're taking up that proverb challenge to read a proverb a day, the one that corresponds with the date. And so today is the 14th. You'd be in the 14th. Uh, chapter of Proverbs. So hope you've been doing that and uh, are enjoying it and gleaning a lot of wisdom. We will continue on uh, tonight. So why don't we pray? Why don't we ask God to bless our time and we'll jump right back into it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you that we can worship you and we don't want to take it for granted. God, so I pray that in this time tonight, uh, you would focus our hearts in on you and what you would have to say to us. And uh, as we uh, continue on in worship, as we have hearts that are ready to receive your word and then sing a few more songs. So I pray that you would be honored um, and lifted high, God. I pray that our worship would continue on throughout the course of our week. And uh, this would just be a great jump start um, to what you want to do in us and through us throughout this week. And Father, we thank you that we're, we're all together and um, that, that you can be lifted up and exalted uh, in the proper place. And so uh, this is your night. Do with it what you wish. In Jesus' name. Uh, I, I think I've told some of you guys before that, that preaching a sermon in some regard kind of feels like giving birth, right? It's like, yeah, yeah my wife would, would not agree with that at all. But uh, you kind of get to this point, right, in, in, in pregnancy where just like, get this baby out of me, right? You know what I mean? And so you just kind of get there and I have experience, you know, bearing with her in that. And, and really kind of what happens is, is one, there's, you just, you're waiting with anticipation and then two, you, you have this just period of intense discomfort. And, and particularly when you're preaching on um, specific topics, what God uh, likes to do is he likes to allow you to experience the things that you will be preaching on so you can preach with a little more conviction and maybe a little more personal knowledge. And so uh, this week we continue on in uh, looking at wealth and looking, um, um, this is our second week in wealth. And so for me, I, I've kind of had a little bit of that uh, experience going on this week. Not wealth, but maybe the, the effects of uh, the lack of wealth, right? Uh, we were on our way home from this camp I was telling you. I've been preaching at all week in New Hampshire. And uh, on our way home in two cars, because my, my wife and the kids came up and met us um, the second half of the week. And on the way home together, um, her car just starts going nuts. And she calls me, and we're not going anywhere, Josh. We're stuck. And it was only 18 miles outside of camp. And so the, uh, the car kind of died, and it's now sitting at a dealership in the middle of nowhere, southern New Hampshire. We have to go back up tomorrow and pick this thing up. And so, you know, we're just kind of awaiting the phone call tomorrow that will be uh, the damage financially from our, our car, which should be just exciting to hear, right? And then, uh, see, see, what God does is he gives me the opportunity to honor him with my response or dishonor him with my response in, uh, in regard to the car. Uh, would I go nuts and say, God, where are you? 
what are you doing? What's going on? I mean, we just had this awesome week of camp. We saw 18 teenagers give their lives to Jesus. It's been incredible. And then you kill my car. What are you, what are you doing? Or I could respond, Lord, can you teach me anything through this, this experience? And, and so, you know, it, it was interesting how the timing, uh, financially, my wallet will be hurting tomorrow and I'm preaching on this uh, today. And then to top it off, as soon as we get home, uh, yesterday afternoon, we immediately get right to work for our movie night uh, down in the uh, Adams Park. And uh, as we start to get to work, in the process, some work we were doing, uh, one of our appliances in the house just completely died on us. And so there's another big chunk of change. And uh, you just feel it, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking, man, I am ready to preach this sermon. I'm ready to talk about wealth because my wallet is going to feel it tomorrow. And I get to put a lot of this stuff into action tomorrow. And, uh, you know, Jesus... Uh, talks a lot on money. He actually talks on money more than heaven or hell. And I think the reason uh, is is because money and possession are, are man's most common substitutes for God. And uh, I think we've probably even seen that in our own lives at, at time. And, and see, many people will fear money or the lack of money. Many people esteem their money. Many people... Um, just really uh, live for their money and, and, and do so more than God. And uh, maybe you're thinking right now that I can kind of check out because I don't have wealth and, and, and I'm good. And, and you need to know, as we talked about a few weeks ago, that regardless of your, your financial status, we all have wealth because wealth is really an abundance of anything. And so uh, we have wealth in, in different forms. I would say wealth uh, could be not only your, your money, but it could be your time. We have a wealth of time. We just have to choose what we're going to do with it. Wealth can be our talent, our abilities, um, things that, that we are gifted in. And wealth, of course, can be our treasure. It can be our resources. It can be our, our money. It can be um, any of those things and, and, and probably even more. And um, what we started to do last time, uh, two weeks ago when we gathered talking on part one of wealth, is we just started to kind of glean some principles from the Proverbs uh, on wealth and uh, We've been, uh, really, really, when you think about wealth, you can go through all kinds of scriptures and, and find all kinds of uh, information and, and, and truths on wealth. But I think it's important for us to stay in the Proverbs as we have been and, and see specifically what do the Proverbs have to, to say uh, to us regarding wealth. And, and the way we've organized uh, the, this two-part uh, look at wealth is, is wealth is and wealth isn't. And so last time we gathered, we said this is what wealth is from the Proverbs. And now we're going to look at what wealth isn't from the Proverbs. And so let me just quickly remind you, um, as you're flipping over to the Proverbs, what wealth is, um, as we've seen them in, in the scriptures here. We've seen that wealth is, one, necessary for your life. In other words, God, God says, I, I, you need money, you're going to have to use money, and money will pass through your hands, and it will pass through your heart, and it's a good way for you to really honor me uh, with something very tangible and, and very practical. And money will really sort out what the Lord of your life is as it goes through your hands and through your heart. The, the second thing we said is wealth is dangerous for your soul, right? Wealth is something that can, can, can really trip you up spiritually. Now, just because it's dangerous doesn't mean we avoid money altogether, just like fires are dangerous and we need firemen to go into the fire, right? And we do need to, to have money pass through our hands and pass through our hearts and so it's dangerous for our soul. We looked at some cautions. We also saw that wealth is meant for our needs, right? Wealth is, is meant for our needs, not for our joy. See, the, 
the, the Lord provides our joy, right? Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, right? We're to delight in the Lord and not in the things that money can buy. And then the other thing we saw is that wealth is stewarded for the Lord. And ultimately, it's his, not ours, and we're called to be managers of it. And so that's what wealth is, and now we'll jump into wealth is. And if you want to take some notes, please feel free to do that. But this is uh, just some principles, five principles of what wealth isn't as we see in the Proverbs. And there's a lot of other things that wealth isn't, but these are the ones we, we can glean from uh, the Proverbs. And here's our first principle. Wealth is not a sure sign of your faith. We need to make sure we get that. The wealth is not a sure sign of your faith. In other words, I want you to hear this, that your financial status is not a clear indicator of your faith, right? Uh, there's, there's, uh, there's a verse I think we need to look at. This is Proverbs 16, verse 8. Proverbs 16, verse 8, and I'll let you kind of flip around tonight with me. Proverbs 16, verse 8 says this, Better is little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Did you hear that? So you can be righteous, according to this verse, and have little. So you can have not much at all and be righteous and, and honor the Lord. And so uh, righteousness doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be financially uh, prosperous. And if you're, if you're unaware, we've talked about this before because it's super dangerous, and especially in our neck of the world, uh, there's, this, there's this dangerous teaching that's, that's floating around in, in Christian circles today, and we call it the prosperity gospel. Maybe you've heard it called the, the health and wealth gospel. Maybe you've heard it called the, the word of faith gospel, and, and, and this faulty teaching really tells us that your faith will be reflected in your, your financial status, and, and here we are, you know, in our, in our current time where we're once again faced with a really difficult time of financial uncertainty, and there are many men and, and many women of faith, and you may be one of them, who are just really uncertain about how I'm going to pay my bills, really uncertain about how am I going to put food on the table for my, my family. And there are many faithful Christians who trust God, they love God, they believe in Him, they are living for Him, they are exercising great faith in, in the Lord, but they're still financially getting just kicked in the gut at this moment. And, and they're, they're, I, I think it's so important for us to know that their faith and their finances are not necessarily proportionate. The, this prosperity gospel would say that if if you need something, if you, if you want something, all we need to do is believe it. I mean, really believe it and claim it in faith, and then you can receive it. So if you exercise great faith and trust in the Lord for it, you would then receive it, whether it be wealth or possessions or health. And, and, and listen, here's the thing. We really, not just those proponents of, of this false teaching, but we all really need to be very cautious not to live our lives and our prayer lives in particular in such a way that we view God as like this holy vending machine. We say, God, give me this, give me that. I would like this, Father. I would like to have that. Uh, Lord, I, I really need this. And, and see, there's really a lot of problems with this, uh, this teaching. One of those problems, uh, namely, is, is Jesus, right? I mean, he's, he's a problem that uh, really abuts this... Um, this, this teaching, Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, he says this about himself. He says, the son of man, that's his favorite name for himself. He says, the son of man uh, didn't even have a place to lay his head. Jesus is saying, look, I'm homeless. So if you think that because you're a Christian guarantees you that you're going to have a home, you're, you're wrong. In fact, Jesus and his 
faithful disciples turned apostles. All of them, in some form or another, died for, for the faith. And so one major problem is Jesus and his close disciples, the apostles. That really, you know, confronts this teaching. Another one is, is the biblical teaching on the, the matter. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Why don't we look there? Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 9 and 10. Many people will misread this. We looked at it a couple weeks ago. And it says this. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and your barns will be filled with plenty. And so first of all, we have to go back to this thing that we've been saying is very important for gauging how we read the Proverbs. And we need to read the Proverbs in this way. We need to read the Proverbs as uh, principles and not promises. The Proverbs are, are designed to be principles for our lives and not promises. They're not, if you do this, this will always happen. These are, generally speaking, this is how it goes. And so, generally speaking, according to this verse, if we follow God's principles, if we give to Him the first fruits of our, of our uh, revenue, right, then, then needs are met. However, there are going to be people who have need, and there are going to be people who God says, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to use this season of your life in need to glorify my name and to help somebody else out. Another thing that we, I think, have to keep in mind is that the things that we think we need aren't always things that we truly need, right? God knows this, and, and so we need to be mindful of that. God really only knows what we, we truly, truly need. And remember, uh, Jesus promises this one. He says, in the world you will have tribulation. Some of your translations say, in the world you will have trouble. So we can't say if, if we really believe it, if we really claim it, we're not going to have difficulty. No, he says, in the world you will have difficulty. You will have trouble. He goes on, though, and he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. So it's important to know that life and and faith is going to be difficult, but for us Christians, we know the end of the story, that Jesus will be victorious over Satan and sin and death. And so I would just encourage you, uh, stay clear of this prosperity gospel, and be very careful, even in your own mind, because it's easy to say, I'm not there, but even in your own mind, be, be very careful to stay clear of prosperity thinking, because a lot of times we can find ourselves thinking, well, God, I've been praying this. God, I really believe you could do this. What's up? And so be cautious, not just for the gospel teaching itself, but also in just how we can, in our minds, slip there. Uh, another thing that can happen oftentimes in, in the faith, people tend to go to extremes. And so it, to, to really uh, combat this prosperity gospel, some people have gone all the way to the under, other end of this spectrum, and they've overcorrected. And, and now it's this thing that I would, I, I've heard people call the, the poverty gospel. Right? And, and, and some would say that, uh, that, that well, then, if, if that's the case, then we must be very, uh, you know, we must, as Christians, become poor and, and just give everything that we possibly have away and begin to look down on people who, you know, God does bless. Some people God does bless with financial wealth and possessions and, and, and over, um, you know, just an, an over ex- extraordinary amount of giftings and things. And we look at them and we say, no, no, no. And so we've kind of reverted to this thing that I would call the, the poverty gospel. And God, listen, God blesses some people with wealth. It's just how it is. And you can look through the Bible and you can say, yeah, Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head. But Solomon did. And God specifically gave him that, right? Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head. But man, Daniel sure was hooked up, right? And as a direct result of how strong he was in his faith and how he really took a stand. And so God does bless people financially. How about Abraham? 
guy had a lot of animals, right? This guy was doing well. There's Lydia, right? Lydia was a seller of purple in the New Testament, so she was uh, wealthy. She had a place that was big enough to house the Philippian church for a while. And so there are people that God does bless with uh, financial blessings. And so the poverty gospel says, I shouldn't have much. I should just give it all away. And really, it's the same error, the same uh, mistake in theology as the prosperity gospel. And it's one that says, my faith is proportionate to my wealth. And it's, it's wrong. And so be careful um, with your wealth or your lack of wealth, um, not to think that it's the sure, clear indicator of your faith. All right? So wealth isn't necessarily a sure sign of your faith. Here's the next principle. Wealth is not designed to be hoarded. Wealth is not designed to be hoarded. And, and let's be careful. Don't let this confuse you. Um, the Bible encourages, encourages savings, but the Bible also discourages hoarding. So listen to uh, where the Proverbs uh, encourage savings. Here in uh, Proverbs 21.20, we'll get it up there for you. Proverbs 21.20, listen to what it says. It says, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, his dwelling or his house, right? Oil and treasure in a wise man's house, but a foolish man devours it. And so you, you hear this, um, you need to hear this, that if you, you spend everything that you have, you're, you're not really exercising wisdom. It's foolish to spend everything that you have. A foolish man devours all that he has. And, and here's the thing. We need to understand that just because you have doesn't mean you should, right? Just because you have enough money to upgrade to a better car doesn't mean you should upgrade to a better car. Uh, just because you have enough money to stop shopping at Old Navy and go over to Saks Fifth Avenue doesn't mean you should stop shopping on the clearance track at Old Navy and move over to Saks Fifth Avenue. You need to be uh, wise and you need to, to store up and and, and you will have excess, but you need to store and be, be cautious with how you do that. And you're storing uh, for savings, and you're not storing for hurting. And, and, and in Proverbs chapter 30, we saw this a, a few weeks ago from Agor. In Proverbs chapter 30, he talks about wisdom that we can glean from tiny little animals. And he gives a few different little animals. And specifically, the first one he gives us is, is uh, wisdom we can glean from the ant. And he points out how the ants uh, will work diligently and work hard in the summer and, and in the fall during uh, the, kind of the harvest season so that they can store up for the winter. And likewise, we need to do the same. We need to work hard and not uh, spend and use everything that we get because we don't know when it's going to get hard. We don't know when times are going to get tough, and so we have to be uh, very, very careful about that. Or another example is we, we can read in Acts chapter 4 in the New Testament. Here, here are people who had extra. There, these are some people who had uh, you know, some, some excess. And when a need arose in this newly formed church, they start to sell things, land and property and houses, and they bring the money, and they lay it at the apostles' feet so that they can meet some needs. And so we see some real clear biblical examples that just because you have something doesn't mean you have to get rid of it. Rather, you save it for present needs and for, for future needs. And so in our, in our Wealth Is study, we saw that wealth is meant for, for needs. And if this is true, it's not to be hoarded, but it's to be saved for those future needs, uh, whether present um, or future, of course. And so if you're collecting funds just to be had, just to sit on your money for the sake of it, then you're, you're hoarding. But if you're collecting funds for some kind of future need in mind, that would be called savings. You see the difference? That's important. Uh, there's a difference between hoarding and saving. And so really, I think for, for us 
in whatever it is that we do in life, we need to be intentional about it. Intentionality really needs to be a mark of us, that we don't just kind of live life haphazardly, but we really do things with, with purpose and, and um, intentionality. And so uh, we shouldn't be wasteful of our time, uh, our wealth of time. We shouldn't be wasteful with our wealth of skill or energy or resources or money. The Proverbs say this, in Proverbs thirteen twenty two, it says this, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Again, not a promise, but a, a principle. Not all of us are going to be able to leave an inheritance for um, our children and our children's children. And I'm especially not looking forward to receiving any kind of inheritance, at least I think, right? That would be a total surprise to me. Uh, on the other hand, Proverbs 11.24 says this. It says, one gives freely, uh, yet grows all the richer. It says, another withholds what he should give and only suffers one. And so God often will bless our, our giving, but if we hoard and we, we, we don't save, but we, we hoard, it causes us just to fill up with more and more and more uh, desire for, for uh, increased wealth, um, but we find ourselves lacking and suffering want. So be intentional with your funds, save for uh, future needs, for your future needs and for those future needs like the church in Acts chapter 4 for, for others and, and spend for current needs for yours and others. Let, let me just read to you Ephesians chapter uh, 4.28. Listen to what Paul says here. Ephesians 4.28 says this, uh, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. Do honest work with his own hands so that, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And so we see it even from Paul here. that um, I think it's so important for us to know that, that anything that just sits, we hoard on something, anything that just sits will become stagnant, right, and, and not good. Um, and if you're holding on to money, make sure you're holding on to money with a specific thing in mind. I think that's a principle from the Lord. The, the parable of the talents, you've heard of this in, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is really commending those who invest, whereas there was one who didn't invest, just dug a hole and put it all away, and he rebukes the hoarder, but for those who invest and have uh, use for something, he, he commends them, and so we need to know this, so when something is healthy, it grows, you get that? When something's healthy, it grows, whether it be a person, whether it be a plant, whether it be a church, or your money. When it's healthy and used in a healthy way, it will grow. Um, and that's, that's a really important uh, concept that we latch onto here in regards to hoarding versus savings. If you save something, you put it in a place for interest to accrue, and it will grow, and then you have a specific goal in mind. That's health. That's a, a, a good principle. Here's the next principle. Uh, wealth is not this. Wealth is not a toy for pretending, Right? Wealth is not a toy for pretending. In other words, we've got to stop pretending that we have money that we don't have, right? And our culture makes it really easy to pretend that we have money that we don't have. It seems pretty obvious, but um, we, we, we live in a day of plastic and, and credit cards, and we can have things that we can't afford really at the moment, but it's dangerous, and we've got to stop pretending that we can afford things that we don't. Let me give you some Proverbs and what they have to say on this. Proverbs 22, 7 says this. It says, the rich rules over the um, poor, and the borrower is a slave of the lender. And so when we borrow what we can't afford, it's saying it's a trap. It's a trap. You get stuck when you borrow what you can't afford, and you're walking yourself straight into 
slavery. And maybe some of you right now, you completely understand that. For you, hindsight is twenty twenty. I spent what I couldn't afford, or I thought maybe I could afford it, maybe I'd get there, and now I'm kind of in a trap, and the Proverbs speak to that. Later in the same chapter, 22, it says this in verses 26 and 27. It says, but not one of those who give pledges, who put up security for debts, uh, or be not one of those. Uh, if you have nothing from which to pay, why should your bed be taken out from under you? Um, so do we understand the, the danger here? This is important to understand the danger that, that we can get into this habit or this practice of, of buying what we can't afford. And, and eventually we're going to suffer the consequences of it. And so we have to be very smart here. Don't spend unless you, you have. And so uh, be very ca- uh, careful there. And, and never forget um, that, um, man, you, you, you might even think that I'm close. I'm, I'm almost there. I'm going to get there. It's a, no, it's, it's so important. Let's... If we're saving for the future, let's be cautious not to spend even if we're just close enough. I, when I was a freshman in college, I'll never, um, I can never get this image out of my mind. This one table that was set up with all of these freshmen lined up on campus. And it was a credit card company, right? And they were giving away free khaki hats, right? And I remember thinking, I would like a khaki hat. That would look cool. I could probably do something. I could, like, put a patch or something. I know I was a loser. But I totally thought it would look cool. And so I was like, I'll get me a khaki hat. So I remember filling out the paperwork. And and fortunately, I got my khaki hat and, you know, never used the card. And so, uh, man, God God spared me on that. But I also remember a friend of mine, he got a khaki hat and he got 10 grand in debt, you know, as a result of, you know, these people targeting uh, dumb freshmen, right? And and let me ask you this. When When you don't spend what you, you have, what does it really say um, about our heart? When you spend what you don't have, what does it say about our heart? It says that we're discontent with what God's given us. And, and really our contentment, our delight, our joy is found in the Lord and not in something that I'm striving for that I hope to have. But we delight ourselves in the Lord and you're not going to find yourself longing for more, right? And, and, and many people would say that a debt-free life is impossible, right? I've heard some people say you just can't live a life that is, is debt-free. I mean, what, do I, what, what if I need a car, right? What if I, what if I need a house? What if I need um, to go to college? Um, and the tuition, obviously, I don't have that money sitting in my back pocket. What if, um, if, I, if I need something that I have to you know, take out some kind of loan for? I, I need to live debt-free. How is that, how's that even possible? Um, I think the question we need to ask is, is whether something is a liability or an investment. Do you get that? Is this an investment, or is this going to be uh, a liability? See, the Bible is all for investing. Go back to, to Matthew 25 and the parable of the talents, as we talked about before, right? It's all about, Jesus is all about an investment, but um, things that are a liability, things that are dangerous for you, the Bible pushes us away from. And so, um, if, if it's something that you purchase, like, let's say, for example, a house, you have to be wise. I mean, yeah, you can take a loan out and get a house, but... If, if, if it's a house that you purchase and you can flip it in the near future and make money on it, that wouldn't be a liability. That would be an investment. I, I would say that, you know, you should be very smart and careful not to buy a house that you don't think, you know, if worse uh, comes to worse and you lose your job or you have a financial downturn, you, you can't get out of that pretty quickly. So be very, very careful there. I think another obvious one would be uh, college tuition, right? I mean, that's... That's, that's money that we, we borrow, but we have to be wise and, you know, really is the job that I'm going to get or am I even guaranteed a job right, with this kind of degree? So would it be worth it 
If not, should I go to this high-paying college that's going to cost me so much money? Or should I maybe say, well, let's go down to community college and, and be a little smarter, right? I think it's, it's important. I mean, I think it makes sense that if you're going to med school and you spend a lot of money, well, those guys are going to be able to pay it back, right? But if you're, you know, you're trying to be a school teacher and you want to go to the most expens- expensive school in Harvard, Harvard or wherever in Boston, it's, it's not the best idea, right? You have to be very wise in, in, in something, whether it be an investment or it be a, a liability. So be very cautious there. Um, and, and I think uh, we need to, as we think through things like this, uh, we need to be very wise. Is this going to be an asset or is this in the end just going to be aspirin, right? It's going to be a headache for me. And, and start to think through those things as you, as you uh, look to how you're going to spend your money on these big things. Here's the next one. Uh, next principle is this. Wealth is not, wealth is not always worth the sacrifice. This is, this is so huge. Um, let's look at Proverbs 23, 4 through 5. Proverbs 23, 4 through 5. Here's what it says. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it's gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle towards heaven. So, do not toil to acquire wealth. In other words, don't kill yourself for wealth. Instead, work hard to meet your needs. But if you're just killing yourself and busting your tail just so that you can get wealth, that's not smart. Bust your tail to meet needs, but if you're really killing yourself to acquire an abundance, it's, it's not a good move. And, and this is where I think many people um, are at. This, this part of the verse, it says this, be discerning enough to desist. In other words, we need to be discerning enough, we need to be smart enough to know when to stop. To know when, okay, we're, we're going too far with this. This is not worth the sacrifices that I, I'm making. This will be the last time I ever tell you this story again. I've told you it once or twice before, but I think it's just so important, so applicable. I'll never forget the CEO who said, I reached the pinnacle of success in my career and financially, but it cost me my family. It's just not worth it. I mean, is it really worth it to have uh, just incredible career uh, incredible financial earnings, but you lost your family. And so be wise enough to, to know when is my, my work, uh, my toil, killing my marriage? When is it hurting my children? When is it uh, keeping me from being involved in the Lord's church, what he would have us deeply be involved in? When is it hurting a personal ministry? When is it hurting even my health? We need to be wise and discerning enough to know when it's time to, to desist. And so we can work so much for our wealth, but the, the benefit, it says, it, it flies away very quickly. So be wise here. Set some priorities in your life. What, what is first? What's the order uh, in, my, in my life here? And, and really nail that down. Uh, be discerning enough to know. Here's the last principle. Uh, wealth is not the answer to your problem. Wealth is not the answer to your problems. So many of us are looking for wealth to really fix the problem that we're, we're in. Maybe even specific ones come to your mind right now, um, but it's not, it's not necessarily the, the answer, right? I can, uh, I'd love just to point out that when you have wealth that fixes one issue, an, another issue is going to arise, and another issue is going to arise, and throughout the course of your life, there's always something, and, and, and so often we find ourselves going back to maybe work harder, earn more money, this will 
deal with it and we think we can buy our way out of our problem or with finances we can distract our, our way from our problem. We can uh, buy things that will help us numb ourselves from the, the problem and, and these things never fully satisfy. Listen to Proverbs 16, 16. Here's what it says. It says, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. And so in other words, the, 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 the answer lies not in gold and silver in our treasure, but the answer lies in getting wisdom and getting uh, understanding. And, and let's go back in our minds to the very first week we opened up the book of Proverbs, and we, we saw the prologue in Proverbs chapter 1. We saw in Proverbs chapter 9, uh, verse 10, it says, here's where wisdom really begins. If we, if we need to not seek treasure and silver and gold, we need to seek wisdom. Where does it really begin? It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so what we need to do is to seek out the answer for these issues that are upon us. We need to go to the Lord. We need to fear him and we need to esteem him and put him in proper place, uh, stand in awe of him. And, and the answer to, to life's issues, not the end of all, our, all of life's troubles, right? Jesus says we will have tribulation, but the answer to life's issues is this great gift that the Lord gives us, and it's a wealth of himself, right? A wealth of forgiveness, a wealth of righteousness and eternal life through Jesus Christ, an abundance of his grace. Um, as, as many of you know, we've been separated from God because of our sin, and we're, we're stuck, and life is difficult, and life is, 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 is going to be you know, unbearable at times, and it's really because of the havoc that, that sin is on our lives and so death is upon us and difficulty is upon us but the Lord um, scripture says is, uh, is so gracious listen to 1 Peter 1 4 it says as he gives us an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading and so I want us uh, as we just end tonight in prayer I want us to to leave thinking on that thinking on the fact that the greatest um, wealth that we have is the wealth of grace that God has lavished upon us. And so as we uh, enter into a time of just singing a couple more songs, I want to praise him for that. I want us to leave with these principles maybe written down on our minds and, and uh, applying them, but more importantly, knowing that the, the greatest wealth that we have is the grace that God has lavished upon us. And maybe you've never called out to him to receive that grace, that forgiveness of sin, that righteousness that only comes when you trust in the Lord. Um, that's the, the best answer, the only answer, really, to uh, the ultimate problem. Um, that we face, and that is um, our death because of our sin. So let me pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Proverbs and the truths that we can, can glean from them. And God, I pray that, Lord, we would, we would take these truths and we would apply them, that we would be a people who are not uh, burdened by wealth and, and the lack of wealth. We would be people who, who use these as opportunities to worship you, God. And uh, may we not be caught up on these, these dangers, these trappings that are uh, in, in wealth passing through our, our hands and our hearts. And so help us, Lord, to be cautious and to apply these truths. More importantly, Lord, may we uh, constantly be ever mindful of the grace that you've given us. May we be mindful of the fact that you have given us an inheritance that is imperishable. And uh, Lord, I, I pray for every single person. I know they have specific burdens on their hearts financially. God, I pray that you would help them to be wise in them and seek you in godly counsel and in your word for, for answers, God. And 
go. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. As we sing a couple more songs, I pray that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.